0: That sounds like a simple instrument. If you're a, a savant of, I know, strings. yeah,
1: and I think it is. It's just mindless for him. He can do whatever. You can...
0: Yeah, he's probably a freak on <laughs> right. bass compared to most bass
1: players. <laughs> right. Uh, do you have? No, sorry, this is the Why Music Podcast. Your last name. Pepple. Pepple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Nate. Hard to pronounce. Pepple. It's like people, but not. Yeah, it's kinda like reverse. It's a backward and an extra it's, P in it's there. It's some German <laughs> stuff, so you kinda disregard the O and take the E.
1: So you and I met
0: four years ago, three Was years ago? Was it probably at least three. Yeah, we've been doing a Corporate Gig. Aflac yeah. quarterly. I've I've missed a few maybe, but yeah, you've been oh, on yeah. photo, I've been on audio for Aflac quarterly for mm-hmm. a long time now.
1: That's kinda wild. And just over the course of the, the couple days a year we see each other. Yeah, We've but it's been to... consistent. It's been nice, yeah, it's, and we and we
0: catch up and we talk audio stuff. And I'm, you know, over the past couple <laughs> of years, I've been taking more interest in like photo style yeah. stuff and kind of picking your brain on that. So it's been it's been cool.
1: So you were kind enough to uh, to drive to our town and sit down in the studio with me.
0: Finally made it happen. Yes, it's, I mean it's only been what
1: at least it, two years. Yeah, of me trying to get. I've you been
0: here. I've been saying that I've wanted to do this for a while. Right, <laughs> and it I it, it worked. And it also worked because I made it work. But this is cool, man. This is like, I don't know, if any of you have never been here, this is probably the coolest little playhouse office I've ever seen. <laughs> right. It's Craig's Playhouse. <laughs> That's exactly right. We uh, we, yeah. we
1: have a, a studio on Main Street in Millwink and uh, just South, your, South Dakota for those that aren't from the state.
0: Yeah. Just oh. your sign pulling up. You're like, okay, yeah, this is going to be pretty cool. <laughs> I put bold. a 22-foot banner on
1: our building. <laughs> <laughs> saying what we do, I'm just tired of people not knowing we were here. I've been here almost 12 years now, that is amazing. and people still. Oh, how long have you been here? All right, we're going to fix that. <clears throat> okay. All right, so Nate, you uh, you're in the music biz at some level. You've been a recording engineer. Yeah, uh, have a had a re- have had a recording studio.
0: Yeah, in Sioux Falls. I, right? I still I still have a studio. The whole lower le- level of my house is all studio, and I don't do a lot of music work these days. But that's kind of where I started and then tour management type stuff. Now I'm more corporate work, I would say. I like, uh, I the, like that. The, on the video side primarily? Video and audio. I'd say I'm maybe like 60% audio, mm-hmm. 40% video right now. Uh, and it's maybe based on time of year or two. I feel like audio is pretty consistent. In, yeah. in the winter, video seems to slow down a little bit. But video is so new to me that I'm I'm mm-hmm. still kind of figuring out where I'm positioned at in there and also like what the market is supposed to be predicted yeah. as for me.
1: <laughs> Well, one thing that I've noticed with you, and it's kind of drawn me to you a lot, a lot more, is the corporate events you do when you're running the audio, they sound dynamite. (laughs) Thank you. And that's something I've been in the live sound business for most of my life um, in churches. And that's always a struggle when you mic up a speaker with a lapel microphone.
0: Yeah. It's never fun. Sensitive
1: mics. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of voodoo you do. Uh, I can tell you it all. But, but I don't hear feedback, and you don't sound like you're in a tin can after yeah. you're done with it. So I don't know what you're doing, but it's phenomenal. It's so good work. Do you want me to give away I my do, answers? absolutely. Well,
0: should we beep it out? Can we do that on here? I got a bell. <laughs> we don't need to beep anything out, really. No, no uh,
1: so, so what is the process? What do you think about when you go into a room sure. and you're trying
0: to make the room work for a lapel mic? So- First off, I think that this wasn't anything that was really taught to me. I think it's something I figured out. And there aren't a lot of resources. There are like a lot of resources online when it comes to studio type work. For live, I don't think a lot of that stuff's been given away. Or I didn't see it when I was kind of in that that period of figuring it out. But how I approach a room. So this is it right now. This is it. Giving it away. (laughs) So, well, and I've had a lot of practice doing this because one of the companies I've done the most work for like this is Pinnacle. I've been contracted in with them for quite a while. Not so much anymore. But the the deal with them is that we're always in a brand new room. We're always bringing in different gear. We're always in a new space. I never pull up a preset. Like it's always brand new and I start from zero. So Is, I, is
1: that deliberate?
0: Uh, like you don't want to start from a, a starting point? It's it's one of those things where how, how frequent am I going into the same space? Mm-hmm. So something like Aflac, I'm at a point now where... I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at with audio. I'm also not like doing that much live audio anymore. So I'm probably more prone to pull up a preset just because I've done that event and I'm pretty happy with my skills. But over the years, you know, like a quarter Mm -hmm. of the year, like that's a lot of time of growth. So the way I saw it was like, well, I'm going to be a totally different engineer in a quarter from now. so why
1: go back to the old way you did it?
0: Yeah. Why why create that as my starting point or just accept who I was that day? Mm -hmm. Like why not try it again? But anyway, so... I approach the room, I get speakers set up, kind of kind of get a, a scope of the room and how far things need to be placed apart, kind of the spread of things. I'm doing the math behind things sometimes, but a lot of times just eyeballing it based on the scope of the gigs. We're not doing like mapping of spaces or doing any really crazy like system tech type stuff. Do you
1: think that would make a difference if you if you were?
0: I, I think so. But or would it just
1: be way too complex?
0: I, I actually would love to do stuff like that uh, and do like really good RTA readings of things. I just don't have the tools for it. Mm. But I think that's in alignment with what I do. But anyway, I play speakers. I kind of know where things need to be set. And one of the first things I do is just put a ref track on things that I know really well. Mm -hmm. And I think I know what systems are supposed to sound like because I have a studio that's really, really well tuned. And I listen to accurate music all day long because of that. So... I pull up a ref track and I just start doing my initial curves and then I go to some graphic EQ moves. If I need something that's a little bit finer, you know, those things that Mm -hmm. are really pointing out and I'm not going to use like one of my six bands to do that. So it's kind of getting the gentle curves, trying to get like the general idea of the system to sound right, doing the more fine curves and then pulling up something like, uh, SM 58s. Like we use wireless 58s a lot. That's my favorite. Why? Hand- handheld mic. I just love the tone. I've used a bunch of different ones. Uh How much work do you put into it to get it to sound like you want though? How much? Uh-huh. It seems a lot easier on a sure I feel like I don't have as many feedback issues. I feel like uh there's a a phrase that goes around in audio co- like saying that something EQ's well. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really make sense until you use a mic like that. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like so it's easy to get what you yeah, want. It's over. like, maybe it, maybe it doesn't have a lot of presence or maybe it's a little bit like woofy mm-hmm. when you first open it up, depending on the voice, but you can get it out and like you can get it exactly where you want it. And it's very malleable, but it no, never gets like harsh. Yeah. Whereas I, if I touch like a Sennheiser or something, mm-hmm. I'm constantly dealing with feedback. I'm constantly dealing with pulling out frequencies that are just obnoxious from the get go and they only work on certain voices. Weird. Dealing with like 500 hertz type stuff mm-hmm. constantly, like yeah, I would I would say that's pretty common for me with Sennheiser mics live. I've just never liked them. Mm. I think sure it's just been a lot easier, and I think Beta 58s are cool on the right voice, but honestly, an SM58 is my favorite because it just you can do like anything with it. You can you, use it on a lot of different voices. Do you have
1: the same thought for the wired version?
0: Uh Yeah, really. Like it's the same kind of tone, mm-hmm. and when it, that's another thing, you know, sure on a uh, on like a wireless level is so good yeah the transmission of wireless signal through a sure like a higher end sure mm-hmm. is good like qlxd ulxd accident type stuff
1: yeah, and you pay for those systems absolutely there's a reason
0: yeah there, there's <laughs> definitely a reason but i would say starting at like qlxd something that you can network mm-hmm. something that you can see the activity of something that allows you to place a frequency in a, a lot of different places that's important yeah so yeah, basically pulling up a ref track. I, w- I didn't think I was going to talk anything audio today. I was actually I was actually prepared to just give you like my music life and like we'll not we'll get there. and not talk and not talk anything audio based. But you and I are too like big of audio heads. Yeah. So um, basically pull up a ref track and start introducing the sound of like a Shure SM58, something that I like the EQ of, mm-hmm. because it's a very neutral mic. I would say that if there are... If I try to introduce feedback into that, so say like I take a fifty-eight and I do a low cut on it, just because the rumble is like never going to occur. Really, you're never going to have an SM fifty-eight wide open on the bottom end. Right. You're always yeah. going to you're always going to high pass filter it. Mm-hmm. So if I start inducing feedback through an SM fifty-eight, it's a pretty telltale sign of like okay, there's something going on in the room right now. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing I'm pulling on graphic EQ land. Um, other than that. That's kind of how I treat how I'm tuning all the speakers. It's just this constant balance between listening to the system on its own, listening to the system with an SM58 and inducing feedback. That's kind of my by so, so you'll
1: walk out with that wireless mic yeah, and, and I'll, crank
0: it up to get it to feedback. Yeah.
1: And it, and then you watch where that's at, correct? Yeah,
0: and most stuff I can like just hear without inducing feedback, mm-hmm. but it's this Well, cuz you've done it so long. Yeah, it's this big balance where I'm I'm doing that with Starting with that mic, and then I'll start introducing, like lav mics or countryman style mics that I'm going to be using. What's your favorite for mics? Yep, love head worn
1: or, or um.
0: I actually really I'm I'm not into crazy expensive stuff. The I like the sure cardioid lav. I mm-hmm. don't know what capsule that is. I can't remember. I'm not good with put the numbers on these ones. I've just used the same ones over and over, but I really like their cardioid lav mic, and uh, I've actually. I used to be in their, their Countryman style mic, their headset mic,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which I actually, I like the tone of probably better than Countryman mics. Really? Yeah. They're really nice. They're uh, they're a little difficult to like place and have them stay in place. Depending on the head, you kind of have to work with it. Yeah. But I'm kind of at a point now where I used to prefer Countryman just because the proximity relative to your mouth mm-hmm. was so close that I, I could I could get by with like less feedback that way. But as I've gotten better and better with being able to EQ stuff, sorry, I shouldn't bang on your desk. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's start, the only downside of yeah, this Yeah, we start vibrating. Um, <laughs> as I've gotten better point. with that, I actually prefer putting a lav mic on a man just because you can place it right down the center. Mm-hmm. You know, typically on a corporate event, you have like a button, mm-hmm. like a button down shirt or a tie. Um, ladies, it's pretty hard, especially on a cardioid right. capsule yeah. because you can't really like point it straight up yeah. unless you had like special clips that you could bend hard. So basically where I'm at now is I love podium mics that are wired because they're a backup and it's also way easier than micing people when it's just not necessary for them to be moving. So when people walk up and
1: then tra- grab them, does that make you just
0: want to scream? Not really because I I like using podium mics that you can position properly. Okay. Um, because ideally, I mean, it, it should pick you up anywhere you stand well, in proximity, correct? Those, those or are these ca- different? These are pretty like super cardioid type mics. Okay. So it's really like the, those type of podium mics that I'm using, the Shures, mm-hmm. they, uh, they're they just like a lav capsule. Okay. So you can put whatever you want on there. I mean, you could put an Omni mm-hmm. if that helps, but yeah, I found that. And you pick up the front row of the audience. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the trade-off. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like the direction thing, but yeah, it's a lot of Shure mics. It's a lot of listening to the system and just going through all the mics and EQing them, trying to do things on a system wide end first, trying to recognize like, okay, here's a problem with the room. I don't want to like, pull the same Mm -hmm. uh, feedback problems out of every single channel individually so like do it on the macro end and then save your your channel type work for uh, making people sound like themselves gotcha yeah so it's a series of things so it's like I have a channel EQ Mm -hmm. and then like all of my lav mics or countryman mics or handhelds they go into their own bus that's titled like handheld countryman so then
1: you can you can tweak that bus specific so there's like
0: system IDQ there's mic eq and then there's personal eq and then there's a bunch of matrices so i can route audio to different speakers and have just a lot of flexibility uh and there are a lot of machines working for me i have like expanders i have auto mix i have a lot of things so Mm -hmm. basically what you're hearing is a really exhausting sound check (laughs) like (laughs) after the fact right you know you do that enough and there, there comes a point where you're like man i'm tired like it, you, you spend a lot of energy doing sound checks like that. And that's why I think maybe tools like SMART would be yeah helpful to have. But it's also, it's a lot of taste and it's a lot of just knowing what's going to happen and doing tests in preparation. Like Aflac, you and I both know, is a pretty wild event. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about that. I'm a very like controlled person. And it took me a while to realize like you cannot be in full control of this event. No. like you can prepare on an audio level but you you can't know what's going to happen at any point Mm -hmm. and we're just kind of rolling with it yeah I don't even have like show notes that I'm reading I just wait till someone comes over which is so unlike any event that I do otherwise
1: are they all pretty scripted yeah
0: I I pretty much know exactly who's going to come over to me at what time and what type of mic they're going to be wearing
1: are they run by that corporation or does that corporation use a Event planners, planner typically, yeah, that. Addy, I mean, they kind of get nuts yeah. about
2: yeah, structure, correct? but
0: they, but they know how it works really well for people. So, like Addy at the event company, mm-hmm. Addie is one of my good friends' clients. I actually i i record and you do their podcast, their podcast, which is funny. This is actually the first podcast I've ever been on. Really, <laughs> I've never done one before. I've I've like mixed and edited yeah. like over a hundred some podcasts. And You've never like,
1: been behind a mic on one? Mm-mm. Welcome.
0: Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if that answers your question on how I do. No, it's cool. Yeah. Um, room tuning, but it's it's really like it's a lot of experience. It's a lot of knowing how things are supposed to sound. It's mm-hmm. a lot of knowing what can happen in that worst instance. You know, we're only talking on an audio level here. Yeah. There's also hours of scanning radio frequencies and punching that into software and doing the math on that on new spaces. Where
1: do you run into the biggest problem with interference when it comes to the actual frequencies you're running?
0: We're in South Dakota, so it's never like crazy bad, Mm -hmm. but you can get into places where it's a little dense, like the convention center in Sioux Falls. There's a lot going on. and I Just
1: with the building itself.
0: Yeah, there's a lot going on internally. So I have a pretty good map of that space where I actually know all of the frequencies. They they may have changed them since I've done this, but I know like which frequencies they have set internal. Mm. And then I'm also scanning for two-way radio type things going on and then you're also placing around things like tv stations and things like that. Right. So, I don't know, downtown gets a little little weird sometimes. You have to scan. That's that's the thing I don't think you learn when you when you start audio. You think like oh, I'm just going to be like a great audio engineer, but it's like well, you can't be a great audio engineer unless you have signal actually mm-hmm. coming in and you don't have rf <laughs> activity exactly right. like taking over your channel. Yeah. So, uh that's something I had to learn the hard way and it was something that didn't really come natural, but uh, I I learned it and it's totally worth it, and I wish more people knew how important it was. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a a nerdy thing that I've enjoyed. I think maybe everything I do is pretty nerdy to most people, <laughs> but I think to like people who are in audio, I think RF is pretty nerdy. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> Deep in that, way, especially when you're looking yeah. at the spectrograph, whatever that's called, of the readout. Um, yeah. When did you? What was your first?
0: recording project audio
2: um
0: personally uh, sure my first experience was when i was i think 17 i was playing with a group of guys really brilliant musicians i was definitely i, playing I was playing what uh guitar and singing okay. which is still kind of a thing that i do really? not as frequent anymore yeah uh i started that a young at a young age but <laughs> anyway, anyway we can
1: he- play some of that we could play <laughs> Do ma- you have any yeah. Of that anywhere
0: yeah we could find something where uh, um i actually just released this is oh, we like have a website is it on there uh yeah i have the song stars on there i don't want to listen to the whole thing with you but <laughs> 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 uh go to the studio or about uh go to sounds audio examples and it's the very bottom one mm. it, it's like uh, it's on artist examples i believe you find it? I do. Yeah. Oh my God. This is this is me when playing was this. Oh, f- four or five years ago. This was just live. I hope that she remember me. How long have you been a singer?
3: wasn't.
0: Uh, zero days. <laughs> well, clearly you are. I mean, we're listening to it. I don't know. <laughs> I've been trying since I was maybe 10. Okay.
3: Does
1: one take? Yeah, it was.
3: It's
0: always the first one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: because then <laughs> you screw it up trying if to fix it. I
0: could see the future. I'd be there so
3: soon find
1: Now one thing that intrigued me about you the most When I actually got to know you storm is storm is storm You can pull that out Is you record in, on a slate
0: I don't have that anymore You don't? I just sold it Really? Yeah, I sold it because I needed a more video-focused monitor mm-hmm. Okay I loved this slate for a really? long time It was cool There were some things that were weird about it mm-hmm. uh, like the updates, sometimes it would cause funky things to happen if I'd update Pro Tools or that software. But yeah, that was cool. That was a very, like, it was I mean,
1: that is a touch screen,
0: yeah, all touch. Yeah, I would say it's cool. I would say that, um, I didn't use it for what I thought I was gonna use it for. Okay. I thought I was going to be very hands-on with plugins, mm-hmm. and then I realized like I can't be fine control with my plugins when I'm using this thing. This is very like
2: throw stuff up, blah, 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 right? Blah, yeah, blah. it looks cool. Yeah, yeah, it
0: looks like yeah, it's like, you know, doing handprint paints, like just <laughs> wild and crazy yeah. on a huge canvas. Like, it just was different than what I wanted. I liked it for the faders option and mm-hmm. and the view. Honestly, it was a really nice screen, but at the end of the day, it was a thousand dollar screen that had a lot of glare to it. So interesting yeah it was cool it was cool like i i think that some people would really benefit from it me personally i would rather have like a fader port mm-hmm. or their yeah. new, their new little version
1: yeah well I, I mean me i i want faders to touch yeah and that's why like bny productions in iowa um they have a uh waves product they've built mm-hmm. and it is two touchscreens one flat one kicked up so you know like you would have a, a mixer console but where your faders are yeah. That's just a piece of glass. Yeah. And that to me is absolutely like
0: foreign
2: because
1: how do you know? I want yeah, to hand on a fader and I want to watch the band.
0: It's hard. And I've done, I've done both ways. I've been an iPad mixer live for mm-hmm. a long time and I've had faders. I will say that if you really need to make something happen mm-hmm. in a hurry, you need faders, you need buttons. Yeah. I just don't think a touchscreen can like do it properly. And also like, the element of being able to look at stage and do your job, you can't really do that unless you're on something physical that you know you're not moving.
1: I thought that too. And then I talked to the lady that runs their live sound yeah. at a concert and I was blown away at how she could yeah. focus on the stage and mix. I'm, I'm sure And the some idea is once your finger's good. there, yeah. it stays on that fader until you lift off, which I, that's okay. But yeah. then you got to know. And I asked her, I said, I, I, that would just hurt me. To have to figure that out she said well, i never done anything else so it's perfect yeah and i get that if you start at that level it's like kids now i mean shoot they grow up with this piece of glass in our pocket yeah. my kids and w- what buttons my 10 my year old he just bought himself a flip phone oh wow and he's so he excited oh yeah because he wanted that and you know they're not terribly expensive he got some money for christmas he thought it would be so cool all right he bought a burner phone <laughs> um, maybe <laughs> and that's almost kind of what he thought The drug dealer phone <laughs> <laughs> what's he doing with it but it's it's cool though i mean it, yeah totally it was fun and what i realize is this generation that's new mm-hmm. they don't know what a record is they a cassette tape what's this yeah um heck cds even i mean that's kind of a foreign product sure. i don't think i have a cd player in my house yeah, I don't think I do. Yeah, I don't use everything one, much is streamed Spotify. Everything is streamed. Or Apple Music. Well, I mean, it's all there. It's different. now So no. we're we're doomed, I think.
0: Yeah, there's some stuff that doesn't feel right though. Like back to the mixer subject, mm-hmm. the touchscreen thing. I know this sounds silly, but I'm pretty aware of things that would be just exhausting over time. And to me, it would be physically exhausting to do a 16 hour day, where Touching
3: a piece of glass, <laughs> where, where I could,
0: where I couldn't rest my wrist. Oh yeah. You know, yep. like that would be so annoying to have like my wrist lifted up and have my fingers just like right. delicately placed on a piece of glass. <laughs> right. Like, like I know that's that's like an old thing to say, and I'm yeah. a young guy, but honestly, I I think that's a real factor about the whole touchscreen thing. I think there's a purpose for it. Mm-hmm. I I love using an iPad. It has a huge purpose. I don't think we're with a serious gig. I think with a music gig, if I was touring with a band and I knew exactly what was going to happen every time and I had a perfect scene laid out mm-hmm. and it was just like automation type stuff, like just things I knew that were coming all day, if it was a portable product. But I'd say for something like, let's go back to Aflac, mm-hmm. I would be struggling if I was on the click of a mouse yeah, oh, or yeah. or yeah. a touchscreen where mm-hmm. I could just do one thing at a time and yep. I couldn't have my eyes on stage.
1: Yeah. That's actually one of the things that I found really fascinating. We talked earlier before we started recording about the new Behringer Wing. Mm-hmm. And they have a, a series, I don't know how many faders, 27 or 8 faders, I think, on that thing. Yeah. Um, but on the far right, there are four. Yeah. That Those by default are main left, right, um, and then there are, th- I think, three assignable. And as I was talking to the rep, I said, give me a use case for those. You'd probably do a lot. And he said, well, it'd be great. You could have your MC microphone all the way on the far right that's always living there. Ooh. So you're in a corporate event and no matter where you're at and your other faders, yeah. that is always your MC. And then you have one that's always your track, your ba- you know, your ambient mic or your ambient, you know, computer. Yeah. So I thought, that's that that's a great idea
0: just to put your your uh, most touch things. Yeah, oh yeah. And you and could, so they're you, always you could have them in the left side still too. Sure, yeah. You Yeah. have them like in the mm-hmm. sauce of things, but to have them always at yep. reach, that'd be cool.
1: And then I I watched an interview with um the sound engineer for I think it was Megadeth which kind of makes me laugh, Um, big old, I think, a Digico machine. Yeah. And on the right side of that console, I mean, it's got 17 layers deep of whatever. And on every layer, the far left fader on that bank is always his vocal microphone. Mm -hmm. Always. Smart. And it just makes sense that way. And that's what's so cool about the new digital concept is you can tell this computer to do anything you want. Yeah. When you get into the money machines... And to ha- be able to have that, so no matter where you're at, that fader you know is always your vocal lead, every
0: time. It's getting more accessible, too. It's like really cool. Cheaper options now. Like yeah. The, the wing is pretty cheap.
1: Oh, I, I saw it for $2,900 the other day. That blows, I, I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know what that's about. I don't know how they can do it. Yeah. It was th- 35 I think, is their... That's the normal. ...is the, the their suggested, but... Weird. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know, it, it's, a, it's cool to be alive... In the audio world, right now.
0: (laughs) Honestly, I, uh, yeah, kind of thinking about it, and this is a why music matters podcast. Like, (laughs) I'm so grateful for that, man. Oh yeah. Because my life now is so audio and video production. Like, that's my life. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm doing, and it's. Well, that's how you eat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's Mm -hmm. wild, and that would not be possible if it wasn't if I didn't live in an an era where like a home studio (laughs) was a thing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, what well, you know, back what 50 years ago, 40 years ago not, even. Yeah, not. You, you have, had to how long be ago? you have to have, Well, probably in the 90s even. Back yeah, well, yeah, kinda,
0: I mean, n- Nirvana it, kind of broke it, the mold a little bit. It was starting, but I mean yeah. like digital systems, I don't think you could consider like consistent. Oh no, till the 2000s. I mean Pro Tools probably yeah. was pretty bad. Yep. In that time because I mean Pro Tools is sometimes pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember probably 99,
1: maybe 2000 um the church I went to in Oregon, we brought in a guy to do a full multi-track recording of our band.
0: <laughs> what do you bring? Live. Bring, bring in like a um, semi-load of gear? I have here? no
1: idea. Like thinking back on it, it was a huge rig and it I think he actually recorded to tape. Weird. Like eight track tapes, it's I think. Wh- and I think he had a couple of them. So maybe we had sixteen tracks we could work with.
0: It's one of those guys.
1: And it was it's like, man. And then it was not a product that I'm happy with at all. No. Um but that was what we do. Nowadays, shoot, the mixer I run every Sunday now. You can just pull the feed. It's running right now, 32 tracks into Audition, always. That's cool. Just, I push, I push. you know, I have the, the assign buttons built yeah. into the mixer. I push one of them and it records, it activates everything and records everything.
0: Things are getting easier. I would say that some people are afraid that, like, I don't, I don't know if anyone's legit afraid, but there are more automated tools coming out on audio. And people are like, "Oh my gosh, will lander the? It's like an automated mastering thing yeah. online. Like, will this replace mastering engineers? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, okay.
1: I think the same could be said. Does the iPhone 11 Pro does that replace a videography company?
0: Yeah, so no, that because but
1: because it does, it, yeah, it does eliminate a couple things.
2: Yeah, it eliminates but that's the, not bad.
0: It eliminates maybe the need for everyday people to own a DSLR or a Correct. mirrorless camera. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, when it comes to constructing like. Good photo or good video based on lighting and like the concept of shooting or with audio, just knowing actually what you're doing with Mm -hmm. the signal from the the start to the end, because there are like hundreds of thousands of things that have to go through your head. You know, you take a record and you think (laughs) you think about that and like it seems like a lot of people put out music. But if you think about that, man, from like starting recording. Mm -hmm. We're not even talking about, like, the song and the way it's performed. Like, that's a no, whole— That's just na- the technical that's, side that's of it. That's a whole other level. Yeah, just the technical yep. side of it. You think about, you know, I rip apart some of those sessions sometimes. I look back at stuff that I did four or five years ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. and sometimes it's cool. It's like, wow, I was doing that then?
1: Yeah. It's, it's like, I- like <laughs> why did I stop? Yeah, <laughs>
0: right? yeah, 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 but— <laughs> I but, do that, too, in, but, in photography. But you look at how many moves that you made mm-hmm. and how many calculations you've made, and and sometimes, you know, with the technology, you lose the track of asking yourself, why am I doing this? Before you just do it, I think that's that's a that's a flow
1: like second nature. Well, is, is that bad?
0: No, no, no. It's that's how it should be. But what happens is you you need to ask yourself that before you do it, like in every step. You kind of you kind of have to do that. You have to like justify that to yourself. You kind of have to almost just think through it. And sometimes things are very second nature. Mm-hmm. But I think that there there's a time where you just get a lot of tools in front of you yeah. with audio you know, like some of my first recordings were good because they were very simple because I didn't have much in front of me. And then someone gave me like the full waves crack or something like that. And i pretty soon I have a thousand plugins that I have no idea what I'm doing with, but they're on there, but I have them all. (laughs) And I start, I start um, trying everything. And pretty soon I don't even know what I'm doing. And then it's like, okay, now my songs sound worse because I, Mm -hmm. I don't actually like, have control of what I'm doing. So do you think all of these toys
1: and tools and options we have at our feet kind of pulls the art away? Yeah. Kind of lose some of that?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I look at what I do now and honestly, I'm probably only using 10 to 20 plugins on a regular basis. And that might Not seem, all at
1: once, but those are the only ones you're
0: using. No. Like, yeah, but th- that's basically what I'm pulling from. Those are the things that mm-hmm. I really know well. And, and, and honestly, if something's more in my control- I'm probably only using 10. Mm-hmm. The other 10 are kind of for I get handed something that I don't oh, gotcha. really like, yeah. like or it's kind of like the uh, the saving type plug-in. You know, like, <laughs> gotta fix something. like Soothe or something like RX, something where I'm removing weird noise, mm-hmm. th- stuff that I don't want to do, but obviously you, you have to n- right. know how to do and have the tools to do it. So, yeah, it doesn't take many tools. I think that was important, though, is to learn what really works really well. hmm and for those tools to have some vibe to them, like one to be able to EQ something, but yeah. also an EQ that has like texture to it, and have a couple flavors of that to know that, okay, this is going to bring something more than just a curve. So is this the idea that,
1: you know, because there's a ton of emulators, sure, you know, so you you can model any tube out that's ever been created. Yeah, you can model it poorly model, or well. Well, but, but that's the thing. You can model it. Do you think that the art gets lost? If we only go to the digital world and we don't understand that this was an analog glowing tube that had electricity zapping through it, it got hot and we had to have fans on it.
0: I don't know. That's that's like a little nostalgic, I think.
1: Isn't that where we're going now? no didn't we get away from that now we're kind of headed back to some of that
0: i think what we're getting back to is we're not getting back to like the inconvenience of all of that old gear (laughs) because really that's what it is it's like it's super a lot of that stuff is just like kind of an inconvenience and also remember that when you have that piece of gear you can use it once you know Mm -hmm. you buy a plug-in you can use it as many times as your computer can process it granted you could like buy an analog compressor and like in real time export the file sure. and then do it again and again and again but that's tedious so I don't know I'd, I'd say that the whole emulation thing is just to bring back some non-linear artifacts
1: is it the reclaimed wood model what do you mean where we're going people you know in, in the architecture world oh. in construction you're going in there pulling trees out of water or they're <laughs> digging up you know they're hacking apart an old yeah. airplane hangar that's abandoned Maybe. so they can get that wood to reuse it to make it look you know, it, it's kind of that, that old, it, new it, combo. It's a
0: texture thing. To me, it's, it's all about tools that do that. It's about, one, getting the EQ job done or mm-hmm. the compression job done, like containing the track the way I want it to in the ways that's, like, fighting me, but also adding the elements of, like, saturation along with that. So it's kind of like two birds, one stone just to, like, do your utilitarian-type work but also get some vibe out of it. Mm-hmm. That's why I think those tools are important. I think that's why people have gravitated toward them because you know, obviously those older studios, like you want if you're going to buy a piece of gear, it's got to do something cool. Yeah. You can't just, you know what I mean, that'd be so boring. Like if you bought a <laughs> right. if, if you bought a rack unit, yeah. that would just be like well, it's going to be crazy clean. And in like in mastering world, maybe that's really cool. And and maybe people want to buy like like Dangerous is a company I use their um, audio converter that's mm-hmm. what i mix through they make a compressor that's like crazy transparent and it's like really? okay there are a lot of instances where i would use that
1: but that's a hardwired product
0: right? yeah it's, a, it's, it's, a, a hard, it's an actual
1: yeah plug well a, a it, real plugin, not a yeah it's software. like a,
0: it's an actual like box that doesn't they might make a plug-in too but so there are there are boxes that i would own don't you run a neve preamp too me i use neve emulation sometimes i don't I am on an Apollo Twin, so it's all okay Unison plugin emulated. Okay, so I mean it's close. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's totally accurate, but yeah, I mean there's a there's a place for like clean stuff, and there's a place for stuff that has vibe. Mm-hmm. It it all depends on what's in front of you, and I think people ne- need to like just remember that that it's fun. It makes things fun, but also it has a purpose. In my mixes, if I were to use all stock plugins, would sound so much different. Then, <laughs> yeah. then if I use like what I use, yeah, and that's just that's just my flavor on it, and that's what I've learned. And like, it doesn't mean my mixes would be bad if I use stock plugins. Mm-hmm. I think anyone can make a good mix that way. But like, it's it's about like the characteristic that you add on top of a good mix. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like the texture.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. You a synth guy?
0: No, man. I'm so like boring mix mastering (laughs) engineer guy i'm so like i'm so out of like production abilities and at this point i don't even try i just i just send it off and i i send it to my buddy brian who lives in north carolina i'm like dude like you love this i hate this (laughs) make it (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm gonna venmo you money and my client is gonna cover it because they know that this isn't Mm -hmm. what they hire me for (laughs) does that answer your (laughs)
1: question absolutely
0: (laughs) Uh, speaking of tubes lewitt you ever
1: heard of them Mike company yeah they're they're kind of uh, innovators yeah uh they have a mic the lct 940 is that new that ha- it's fairly new it's 1700 dollars. it has a 12 ax7 tube in the microphone
2: mm-hmm.
1: now there's a bunch of me that that's just it's got to just because it looks cool yeah at some level i have a mic that has that a tube mic it, but is the tube in the yeah
0: yeah it's a tube mic it's okay. like a, it's like a, a sony c12 yeah replica I've modded it. Is it better? Uh, it, or is it just different? There's a there's something that comes from tube mics. That one in particular, that mic, it uh, actually has an issue right now. I've got some issue with the wiring. Hmm. I'm the one who put the the modded capsule in, so I'm <laughs> sure I screwed something up, and it it finally just caught up to me nice. to the point <laughs> where like I just can't use it at the moment. Uh, but when it has worked, comparing to other mics that I have that aren't tubed, granted, this is like. A better sounding mic compared to those Mm -hmm. i would say it was very three-dimensional feeling a lot of depth a lot of richness in areas Mm -hmm. that my FET mics just didn't really have so there's something to that for sure uh i think there's a reason why people use tube mics there are a lot of like some of the best mics are tube mics yeah there are a lot of mics that aren't too but I, I,
1: it's cool looking I mean I, I almost want it Because it looks good Yeah no, but, but that's the wrong reason To buy a piece of audio there's, equipment.
0: there's a reason I mean it all depends On how that thing sounds yeah. But personally The tube mic that I have It's it's a lot more rich And open And three dimensional feeling Was it $1700? No it was a lot cheaper Than that actually <laughs> <laughs> It was probably like 500 And then 180 bucks for the mod Nice So,
1: so you run SM7Bs For podcasting correct? Yeah Are, are those
0: yours? Yeah, those are okay. mine. I uh, yeah, I I drop money on those for sure. You're you're used to having nice mics too.
1: Yeah, it's important. Not that much. Mon- not that much money though. Yeah, these well, are not quite. Well, that, the thing
0: but. about SM7Bs is that one, you buy the mic, but you also have to buy some type of cloud lifter or fet head to boost the signal before it hits. So is that because there's just no way to push it? They're just transformerless mics, and they don't have a lot of a lot of gain ability to them. So for like. A typical voice, mm-hmm. you're just you're just getting too much hiss because you're driving your preamp too hard. So yeah, so basically, take the price of the mic and add a hundred dollars. That's that's how it <laughs> that becomes you, a nearly six hundred dollar microphone. I think five, but it's it's worth. Yeah, it's it. about
1: right. Four, a little over four for the
0: yeah the mic itself. To me, yeah. I love those mics. They look cool. They look cool, but they also it comes back to that sure thing. Yeah, where yeah, well, I've got a
1: huge ceiling too. You can yeah, you could beat them to to
0: death true i just i love i love the tone that i can get Mm -hmm. off of them and it's a mic that you know compared to like an sm58 the capsule's deeper down in there because the grill kind of protrudes Mm -hmm. a couple inches off the capsule so they're very controlled they look good on set i mean that's a big thing yeah that matters to people who want to do like a high-end podcast Mm -hmm. um well that's why i've I've been seeing these lewitt mics
1: everywhere on podcasts now what are they condensers
0: um some are Huh. Um there are a couple options out. I mean, like I'm curious to try Rhodes Hundred Dollar
1: Oh, the new the podcaster. Yeah, they're the podcast they were pack. out
0: of stock or like not for
1: ninety nine bucks it looks like a killer machine. Yeah, they apparently they're heavier than decent. A, they're heavier than an SM seven B. Yeah. Which is oh, Well yeah, because it's all metal construction. Yeah,
0: so I I was actually at a point where I I needed to buy more SM fifty eights or not SM fifty eight, SM seven Bs rather. And I was at a point where I was like, do I want to spend all that money mm-hmm. or should I try something like the road mics? And you know, that's the difference between 400 and like $1,600 put into mics. And I just kind of got so to, the, did it go down to looks at that point? It really kind of did. Yeah. I know that's silly, but the the podcast that I'm doing, I'm doing Addies mm-hmm. for the event company, which is on camera. I'm doing uh, one for first national bank right now. and, I use those for music projects too. Like if I do like live sessions, mm-hmm. that's a really killer mic that I can use for that. And I think that's one thing I had to remember. And that, it
1: films really well,
2: like for, yeah. for music videos, yeah. it's a killer mic.
0: Yeah. yeah, but also it's it's like think about using the Rode podcast mic. Mm-hmm. Me as like an audio engineer for yeah. music too, that would just be kind of like yeah. weird on those things. So what I, about RE twenty? Like
1: the standard? I like the radio microphone. I mean that that's broadcast. Well, royalty
0: even this mic that we're using right now i love these mics personally i don't like the look of them as much Mm -hmm. and if it's audio only i'm all for whatever it sounds like and the function of it and like this is so much more compact and i'd probably have something more like this if i were to do an audio only podcast Mm -hmm. but yeah it's kind of i think it comes down to like how it films yeah but also i think sure is just it's a really good option of mic yeah so i don't know that's me being a little bit picky about it no, it's you being a snob, Nate. Let's be honest about it. <laughs> I try not to. But that's to. okay. You can. But it's Because <laughs> I don't think there's a wrong answer. Honestly, if someone asked me, like I have this other client for podcasts and they kind of handle the recording on their own. Mm-hmm. And it's a very complex thing where people are in different locations and we're using software to accomplish this for them to be able to remote call yeah. but also be remote from each other and have their own recording devices. No latency and, and all that, yeah. yeah. But, uh, they're, they're on SM58s because i like the sound of it and also it's compact so they can like throw it in their suitcase Mm because they're flying constantly and they're not going to break yeah Yeah. so i'm all for like what works for the job like yes Mm -hmm. i could recommend an sm7b for them but it's like i wouldn't want to carry that around like i'll take a little bit more yeah that's true like i'll i'll take more of the proximity Mm -hmm. like i think that's a good compromise because really like you can't carry a crazy heavy mic around when you're doing that (laughs) stuff Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm practical too when it comes to what I recommend for people, and that's a budget thing too. Like this is cheaper mic. Yeah. But yeah.
1: So is that podcast? Can you plug that at all?
0: Oh yeah, Influential She okay. is the company. Um, Deb Sol Holt, Mel Shop, two very accomplished women. It's kind of like consulting type stuff for women. Very inspirational. A lot of podcasts that they're doing. Um. Remote calls. Are they
1: based in South Dakota?
0: Yeah. Deb lives in Sioux Falls and Mel lives in Keystone. Mm. So it's crazy. It was this big thing where I had to figure out how to, you know, have a system where two women of their age could understand how to like run this unit.
1: Right, without being super techy.
0: Yeah, and it's not yeah. even, it's not, like, I'm, I'm saying their age because, like, there is a technical barrier of age. Totally. But also, like, there's a huge tech barrier of just not knowing anything about audio. <laughs> exactly. And, like, right, yeah. So, like, that's on top of that, <laughs> yeah. and they've done so well with it. So, are they recording at both ends? Yeah, so sometimes they're together. Sometimes they have three people in one spot. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's just them two. Sometimes they're totally separate, and they're also, uh, I don't know if they've ever been totally separate and recording a podcast together yet. But they've been totally separate and have been recording podcasts with people in, like, D.C. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing. So is that just over Skype? No. We use a piece of software called Zencaster. Okay. And what's cool about it is that it's it's both a conference calling system, but it's also a voice recorder. So once it's all over, it uploads that person's individual audio file from that session. So then I have the individual files you of every have three tracks to work with then. Yeah. So... You're still limited based on what the source is, mm-hmm. you know? You're limited based on what their microphone is, and typically mm-hmm. we're talking like Apple headphones.
1: But if they're running and it, just... It's, having it recorded local is always going to be better.
0: Yeah. So, and there's also a backup where the gals are basically recording it into their box as well on both ends. Mm-hmm. So they have their own systems where they're able to... Basically, they have a recorder with four inputs they have zoom product what is no it? it's it's a task game. okay and that was that was a price thing mm-hmm. price per input deal personally i'm a zoom f4 kind of user yep. i I just love that recorder but they're on the dr i can't remember what it is like the 80 mm-hmm. 70 is that the little rectangle box yeah with the it's something that pairs well with the camera yeah. but it's, it's four units of xlr there's like an wait init, a second this is a video podcast as well no. Oh, okay. Well, actually, it was for a little while. They okay. they used to set up an iPhone. <laughs> well, I mean, still, it's, it's video. Yeah. yeah. I think they that well, nowadays
1: w- that's actually good video.
0: Yeah,
2: Com- I mean, compared I mean, to what it used
0: to be. Yeah, paired with good lighting and framing. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other challenge to toss in on top <laughs> of the. Yes, it is. You know, like the the audio side of it. So, how do you get these podcasts to produce? What do you mean?
1: I mean, I, do people, Nate's the podcast
0: guy? I, I think maybe. Is, I'm, is that kind of your reputation? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have like that many clients with podcasts, but I think that some people might know me that way. Mm. I think Addy's podcast has been a really good introduction to people that way. Yeah. Um, Where I I uh, I don't know if we can talk about it, but uh, John from Lemonly, I don't know if you know John, he's, he's kind of in the works on some stuff. Mm-hmm. And we've recorded a podcast. I don't know if it's going to like, continue going or what the deal is with that. But John's someone who I met through Addie's podcast. Okay. You know, because she's bringing in guests who are people who are kind of likely to have their own podcast. They're business owners. They're people of like good work and good message. And I've met a lot of people through that. And yeah, I'd say like a couple of those clients are because of that. Hmm. The influential she ladies are, it was just kind of lucky. I reached out to someone who worked at Zeal and it was a total ask um, because I hadn't really done a whole lot for him other than give him good audio for his TEDx event that he put on. But I basically said, dude, I love doing podcasts. Do you have anyone who needs that? And then like a week later, he lined me up with these people. And like I interviewed for it. You know, I was I was bidding basically compared to a few people, but we decided to work together and it's been really fun. Mm-hmm. I take really good care of them. I get on FaceTime calls and help them through like panic moments. Right, yeah. That's really important, Mm -hmm. and I've also done video stuff for them. I've done web, like like edited their website, (laughs) which like I I can edit a Squarespace site pretty well, Mm -hmm. but their site is like way different. Like it's it's well coded, so you know imagine an audio engineer diving in there, and he's like, okay, (laughs) okay, I'm trying to figure out how that works, right? But that's just just to show like when you care about a client that much. And you you have the abilities to reverse engineer those things like that that goes a long ways is when you can save them from I don't know having to to bother someone else or have someone who I don't know is more expensive more expensive I guess or just not as reachable at that moment mm-hmm. so yeah um, I don't know if I answered your question through that but that's kind of where it's it's led is I, I've just uh, put myself out there and some people know me as this some people know me for something else. Some people have no idea that I do music stuff. It's just like, just depends on who I meet and what they see me doing and what they mm-hmm. perceive what I do. And sometimes I get lined up with clients where like, they don't really know what I do. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> like, like, like I get hired to do like radio ad type stuff. And it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't do that, but I can do it.
1: And like then, d- Just to do the recording and engineering of it.
0: Yeah. Like record and, and mix and, that's been a learning process too. I've taken a few of those this past year. Yeah, it's like, well, these are kind of simple jobs, but they're still like you need to know what you're doing. Me personally, I don't. Well, and you
1: you have a, th- uh, a volume threshold, yeah, as well as time limits, right? Yeah, you yeah. gotta hit certain
0: yeah. marks. That's I think that's. It wasn't really the audio aspect of it. It was more like the timing mm-hmm. of things and how you can make that work with a piece of music, right? That was something that I didn't really know. I don't personally listen to the radio. I know that sounds crazy. But hey that's like... that's <laughs> like podcasts are different. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But I that's just mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I that's how I've been. So well, really I, I'm Unfortunately I,
1: that's our that's just this generation. I mean you're a young chap, so Sure. <laughs> I mean
0: <laughs> young whippersnappers. snappers. <laughs> Spotify has kind of taken over. <laughs> I know. But I like it that way because really when it comes down to music, I like to be in control of what I'm consuming.
1: You know what I've noticed that the 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 biggest difference from when I was young and we had the
0: the zipper case full of CDs
1: but well, in there with every disc was the sleeve. Mhm. I remember as a kid and then, you know, a teenager and maybe maybe as an early young adult in the early late 90s early 2000s um you would sit and listen to the track and read the liner notes. Yeah. Like that that was
0: a big deal. The lyrics are awesome, and yeah, things like that. That,
1: and then who wrote it? Who was involved? Like all that, because there there were stories written in all that. Yeah, that's lost.
0: That really to, sh- to, to this next generation. Yeah, that really should be data that you can like unveil. Yeah. on all these streaming well, platforms. And, I mean,
1: Spotify tries. If you look at that, you go to an artist. Um, just just for fun, we'll it's, pull up it's an artist. It's not
0: as detailed as it could be, though.
1: No. Um. But well, sorry, this. this I lovely. wish they.
0: I wish they had that though. I wish they definitely had. Lyrics and basic credits. Yeah, hmm Yeah.
1: So um, then, you know, there, there's an about, you go to the band, then there's a bio of them. So, but it's almost like a mini website. That's not what I want. I want the info on that album. Yeah. Why totally. did they make it? What was so important about that song? And why did they put it in that order? Yeah, it's... And it, I
0: too, think too, it's gone. I don't, I don't think a lot of people have an understanding or a respect for that, though. You know, I think musicians do but yeah but no one cares because they're gonna go on spotify and listen and if they
1: don't like the song they'll push next my little six-year-old we're in the in the car (laughs) yeah listening to the radio the over the air radio (laughs) song comes on i don't like that skip it i can't ad comes on next (laughs) you can't you can't do that so part of it we've done them such a disservice by not allowing them to see I and mean, we don't have cable, we don't have over there TV, so we don't even have TV ads yeah. that
0: we can't skip. That's that's hard. I'm, I'm kind of at this point right now where I'm thinking about consumption, mm-hmm. and I've been very mindful of that no matter what it is, whether it's music consumption or TV or social media or just personal consumption. Like, I'm here because I enjoy being around you. Like, there's something that, oh, I see. that makes me feel good that way, and if it wasn't that way, I wouldn't be here. Oh, whew. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm just saying like oh, yeah. I... I I'm, so, so, so you're being deliberate about I, what you I'm do. I'm always, yeah, I'm always putting myself in a position to be like at peace as much as I can be. Also push my limits a little bit to like, you know, get myself to do things, mm-hmm. like to jump on a podcast, which I've never been on, you know? Check that off the list. Yeah, but that's good to do that. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm saying is maybe it's not all that bad that that your, your son is like... Not at peace with that song that's on the radio, <laughs> and he just wants to skip it because it doesn't—it right. doesn't make him feel good. Like he doesn't like that, and there's something that's making him. You know what I mean?
1: But but I think it also falls into this instant gratification thing too. Yeah, it's like
0: I, I don't have
1: time. I'm bored. I don't have time to finish the next two minutes of this yeah, song. So I need the song. Yeah, learning the next one,
0: learning the appreciation for music that you might not fully. Yeah, l- waiting, sitting and
1: waiting isn't bad. No, And so I think that may be be the bigger issue for me is that we haven't, it's really difficult to teach that still nowadays with everything so digital and at our fingertips.
0: Yeah, but maybe, I don't know, maybe the the answer to that is making sure people are used to this very like skip it next song kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe just figuring out, okay, well, what artist do you really like? You consistently like this person. You're listening to singles. Let's Mm -hmm. listen to like the whole record. Right. Yeah.
1: And sit down. Like there's a friend of mine, Nate Allen. He actually was on this show, uh, our first episode. Um, And actually you'll be the second episode that airs on this podcast. I've got like four (laughs) or five in the works. All right. um, And interesting, his name is Nate. Um, He put out a a solo album a year ago. um, That was a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal for him. Emotionally, it was a lot of it. So we talked about that album and what that was on. And you can listen to that. Um, the episode prior to this, um, but it's interesting because he was really pushing people. He said, "When you get the album, f- take an hour and sit down, get your beverage of choice, and listen straight through." Yeah, and I think that's missing in our Spotify world is the idea that because it's all about playlists, and I th- I almost think part of that too is we only want to hang out with people that we really like being around and that think the same way we do and i'm not saying that's a bad thing but i think if we don't allow ourselves to experience something a little bit different yeah a different person like I, i'm not a fan of country music at all yeah I'm, i mean I'm, modern I'm, country music is garbage in my opinion <laughs> that's just
0: me i don't like it i wasn't going to come in with those, that hot <laughs> but, of an opinion but but that
1: doesn't mean yeah. that there's no talent there no and it doesn't mean that it's bad if people don't like it
0: yeah there, there's a different I, yeah i was thinking about this a lot actually um, I've been doing this thing lately where I, I do like almost video diary type stuff. So yesterday I basically just talked to my phone camera for like a half hour. Is this anywhere? I mean, it's on my phone, okay. but I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> but but I was kind of thinking about that, where it's where it's like, well, I like the music that I like only. Well, well, sorry, go ahead. No, I I have respect for all music, but there is a certain like criteria that I that needs to happen for me to enjoy music. Mm -hmm. And some people don't have those same, that's like not the reality. Like I just have a different reality and maybe that's how we all are. We just have different taste and we have different stories that we've experienced. And I think there are certain genres that fit around that. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff is like, you know, we're building our lives based on the music that we like or the people that we're looking up to. But yeah, it's a, It's hard. We all like different music. I don't think anyone's wrong or right, but it's cool when you meet people who listen to what you do Mm -hmm. and then you realize like, okay, we're like super similar people, but, but there is this thing now where I don't know if a lot of people, I, I might be totally wrong, but like, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of people who are like truly knowing of like what music is them. Like, there are a lot of people who have a very diverse taste, and they don't have, like, deep-rooted music in their life. Like, for me, music is the center of my life, even though I'm not working in it anymore. One
1: genre or across the board?
0: Uh,
1: Like, do you have a soundtrack, the Nate Pebble soundtrack?
0: There are a few of those. Actually, this is what's <laughs> funny is yesterday- Did you make a playlist? No. Well, actually, I have I have stuff that I listen to right now. Yeah. I have playlists where they're kind of like the singles type things. Mm-hmm just because I want to experience new music. A lot of those artists, though, I don't listen to a full record because I've tried. And it's like, they're kind of just singles-only kind of artists. Mm-hmm. But I have artists like... Um, the last album that I really went heavily into was Noah Gunderson's album, Lover. You, may, you look like you never heard of it. <laughs> um, that was that was like very hit home for me. Why? Uh, it just... A lot, of, a lot of personal type growth things. And I don't know. I think, I think back to a lot of records that I've listened to and artists. I would say like John Mayer, Bahamas, Angus and Julia Stone, Phoebe Bridgers, Noah Gunderson. <sighs> who else? I don't know. Those are all people who have consistently put out music that is like in alignment with who I am at different points in my life.
1: What's your go-to track right now? Um, if you were to pick something right now that you wanted to listen to, what would it be? Let me, Cheater. <laughs> well, let me let
0: me at least pull something up. So there's this song that I've been listening to called Halfway Up by The Brook and The Bluff. And this is a band that I'm uh, – it's like a singles band to me. They have like two songs that I've heard so far that I liked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Halfway Up, I don't know. It's It's really not as deep. It's not as deep as what I typically would listen to lyrically, but I've really enjoyed it because it's fun and it kind of makes sense. Are we allowed to play this? Talk over it. It's fair use here. I mean, really? (laughs) Yeah. This is important.
1: Like, this is... Yeah. This is where you would go to, and I'm curious to know why. Yeah. What is it
0: about this? Well, this song, this maybe isn't the best example for, like, the core of music for me, but... Mm -hmm. It's been fun. It's been a fun one to listen to. It puts me in a good mood. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of reflecting on a relationship that I just got out of. It's not, like, sad. It's just, like,
3: kind of an okay
0: feeling with being out of that.
1: Yeah. So why is music so important to the human mind?
0: All right, pull it. Um, I don't know, man. I think it it's such an important thing on an emotional level for me. And I can only speak for my own reality when I say all of this stuff. I have no idea. Like, well, what, that's, why what, you're, that's what I'm asking. you. Yeah, yeah. I know you don't speak for the world, but I want you to speak <sighs> for Nate. Good. <laughs> for me, mentally, I mean, it's probably put me in a lot of, like, funky states for longer than I needed to be in them. Mm-hmm but I'm like okay with living through that. I think music's been really important for me to have something. So I come from writing and I'm not, I'm not like, you know, your Nashville level songwriter or anything, but I'm someone who's always written songs from a very personal space, which I believe is the space where people need to write from because that's how other people connect to you. So yeah, music's been really important to me because let's say just from writing, It's it's been an outlet to put my emotions into words because you know, an emotional response to something is caused by not fully understanding of like what's going on. Like if you fully understand what's going on, you don't really emotionally respond. You just kind of get it and see it coming. So being able to put words to that through music is so important. It's so therapeutic to be able to just understand it fully and and live it for as long as you need to. And to feel it, one to play it because you enjoy the song that you created, but also to like work through that experience. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this almost like hypnotherapy type concept where people are brought back to why they became this way and living back through these these moments. Like you can't change them, but you can try to like construct something around them to understand them. So I feel like music for me, whether it's been stuff that I've written or I've listened to. It has to meet this criteria of having a lot of depth vocally. It has to be real. It mm-hmm. has to be a very personal connection. I don't want someone to write a song for me because I'm a general person. You know, I don't want them to write like a, the next party anthem that's going to pump me up. Like I want someone to write something that's like extremely real and personal and not too specific. Like it's cool to be specific about like street names or people. Within your storytelling but not being too specific to the point where okay i can't understand anything that you're talking about because this is just like way too abstract so there's this happy medium where it's it's clearly theirs it's clearly coming from emotions but it's also relatable because it's simple enough to the point where you can listen to it a first time and it just like hits you you just feel it Mm -hmm. i don't know music like that for me has brought me through a lot of things Mainly the heavy hard times, the thought, like the deep thought, the trying to understand the world type stuff, trying to understand people and circumstances, uh, death, things like that. you know I don't I don't listen to a lot of music that's like like that's a pretty good feeling song that mm-hmm. we just listen to some people that's probably like slow jazzed. <laughs> you know what I mean Yeah you know, but I listen to stuff that's a lot deeper. I would say where I like to listen to music is in a very calming type state. Um, just something that makes me relaxed because th- there's a lot of time in my life where I'm like wildly thinking about something
1: so are lyrics as important as the tune? they're
0: yeah, they're the they're most important to so. me absolutely. I think that lyrics are they're they're the story. Mm-hmm. you know, obviously everything else needs to be good under that, but um, me coming from audio, like in an ideal world, we have a song that has really deep lyrics, mm-hmm. killer really, music, <laughs> really, really <laughs> just killer, like musicality, yeah. like people who are fully connected one to their, to their message, mm. to their voice, their connection of their instrument relative to that voice, like the finesse of that on top of having good sonics, good mix, yeah. good master, like that's, a, that's an ideal place but I'll listen to a demo of a really, really good song with a pretty good voice and pretty good guitar and still be happy with it. Mm -hmm. So, like, I can compromise on audio. I can't compromise on song quality. How important
1: are speakers, like the actual representation of the music? How important to me? Uh
0: (laughs) It it depends on what I'm going for. Like,
1: do you listen off the speaker on your phone ever?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I listen to things on a bunch of different units. Music. yeah. Yeah, so sometimes, sometimes like that's pretty nice to just have something that's a little bit more lo fi because mm-hmm. I don't need it to be crazy in my face. Obviously, if I want to get my jollies, I'll listen to my focales at home. Those are those are French monitors for people who don't know what focals are, um, and, and and even that man—they're oh, uh, reference, right? Yeah, but they're designed to reproduce yeah, they're, exactly. They're what's designed on there. for that. But honestly, I I probably have more enjoyment listening to music in my car than I do mm-hmm. my focals. So, is that because? And I remember
1: as a kid, <laughs> I say this because you're a kid still to me <laughs> nearly
0: um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just about 27 <laughs> holy cow jeez <laughs> i know i'm, Ugh, I'm getting older does. but i'm still young that's ridiculous yeah.
1: um what year were you born 93 oh
0: man sound weird crazy i feel um, i feel pretty old well i feel well, i feel pretty like boring and old for being 27 in some ways but there's still a lot of like good energy within me that i'm grateful for
1: <laughs> what do you mean good like you mean you're you have a bounce in your step yeah. kind of energy? like I'm
0: a, like I, I still have a lot of experiences that make mm-hmm. me excited about life and I'm 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 constantly trying to see like the good in things yeah. and that's hard some days but I'm glad <laughs> I still like I still have that I haven't totally <laughs> given up <laughs> you're old enough to have you didn't grow up with
1: an iPhone in your hand so this is good yeah I had I had the best of both worlds you know, you probably you're probably the last, like born up to probably 99.
0: Yeah, it's all down downhill from there. I
1: think it was. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. It's like I don't it know peaked if that's when the case. you're like seven, and no. then it's over. I mean, I mean, it's go. It's amazing what you could do now.
0: Yeah, I lived in a time where I had an iPod Touch in my left pocket, and I had a flip phone in my right. <laughs> so a razor, by chance? So. No, I, I didn't have that. I kind of, I, I could never afford it. I didn't razor. have that kind of rig. Yeah, I
1: I went to a BlackBerry af- from my flip phone and that oh, was the best thing ever i wasn't gonna be an apple guy no way the iPhones suck until i got an iphone You're apple yeah um yeah but just for that i anyway yeah um yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we I, I grew up with a party line phone and so we shared a phone
0: line with the neighbor up the hill what the heck and, and hey yeah, you said what do you call it party line? party line yeah Okay. So <laughs> this is my first time hearing of this. <laughs> are you
1: serious? <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, you are young. So the idea is, it shared one line going out. Yeah. So it, it, ringing in would ring to the right house. Interesting. But going out, you had to listen and make sure no one was on from the other house on. So that's where dial tone. Dial tone, You get that. You're good. Strange. Um, but that also meant that you could listen in on conversations of the neighbor. So you got to be careful. Right. And, I mean, the older people understood. And so, you know, we'd pick it up all sneakily. And yes. <laughs> old Mabel, the lady. Craig and Sarah, what did, what, what
0: did she say? Do they know?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, because we're the only ones on the line. When
0: well, you're, you're breathing, probably.
1: Oh, like Yeah, when you, you hear the click. Because there's a the little thing. So we got good. So you could <laughs> s- ease it up. Oh, yeah. we. It's horrible. Wow. You guys get off the phone. Okay, fine. That's funny. <laughs> and, and it was a dial. Brrr you know that which is cool i've done that yeah um but my neighbor who is my same age i think i think he's a year younger um they didn't have that kind of a phone and he would come over and we were you know 10 11 12 and he wouldn't call here dial it for me i don't know how to do it which cracks me up back then because it wasn't like that was a novelty it was it was on its way out and so we had an old phone but nowadays my kids they have no idea yeah we don't have a landline
0: at our house so which there needs is to be, be a, like just a museum full of things that you'd find at a Goodwill.
3: <laughs> Wait, isn't like, that what Goodwill is? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I
0: mean, like, but maybe you need to do like a field trip there and just like uh, yes. break stuff
1: down. And now, kids, this yeah, well, It's like the old like the Carnegie Library right down the road from us. Yeah, uh, it's a museum now, and I believe in the basement they have the old switchboard that used to run the phone system here, and That's it's cool. like a patch bay, yeah, in a studio. Just yeah. a quarter-inch patch bay jacks. I, operator, okay, we'll connect you to number four. And, <laughs> and that's just cool. It's really neat technology. That it's super simple. Them. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. It's We live in a different world.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. But I'm also, yeah, I'm glad that I grew up in a time where I wanted to play outside. We
1: were outside from the
0: moment we could be.
1: Yeah. Until
0: dark. I mean Nintendo 64 was a thing in my life too, but I don't think I ever prioritized that. Like I don't think that ever came first. Really? Well, is I'm, that because you started outside? Yeah, but but also like even to this day the only thing I really play on a gaming console is like a motocross game. <laughs> and when at you know from ages 10 to mm-hmm. 18 that's what I was actually doing. So that was riding motocross? Yeah. Really? I, yeah, I was I was Are you good I, I don't know if I was really like good? good. I was I was what was called a B-class racer. So I was I was between the beginners and the pros. <laughs> so wow. Yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't anything like crazy good, but it was a big part of my life. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying, what I'm getting to with this is that I had the N64 racing game and okay. maybe I played that more in the winter, mm-hmm. but you know, and obviously this turned into like a PlayStation or something right. as I grew up. But like I could just do the actual thing outside Had mm-hmm. a track at my house. So like, well, it's like my, my 10 year old son, he
1: loves football. Yeah. Well, you know where we live in the middle of winter. You yeah. can't go outside. No, that's that. So he sits and plays Madden right now. Yeah. I don't. And I that, think, that stinking kid can read the play. I'll play with him and I can I'm not a gamer by any means. Yeah. I never have been. I've played a little bit off and on, but I've never been a gamer. Mm-hmm. I'm just not good. Sure. Um,
0: you could get good.
1: Oh, yeah, but the time I'd have to spend, I don't have it. No. He, and I, it's just not worth it to me. Yeah, but he's
0: probably really bright. Yeah. One the thing crazy
1: dr- part is we'll be playing. He says, I know what play you're going to run. Uh, How? Oh, those guys are over
0: there. Are you kidding me? He's memorized it. It's outrageous, yeah. But that's like mm-hmm. really cool that he's done that. So me, I never really, I, I participated in some school sports, mm-hmm. but I never really liked them or wanted to be in them. I never had any interest in them, really. I just got convinced to be in them because I grew up in a small town. Mm. And I think back to it now, and it's like, if I would have had, like, exposure or interest to that video game, I probably would have, like, had way more interest in, right. in understanding of football. Mm-hmm. Instead, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, you know, like, luckily it's junior high, <laughs> but but the other kids, yeah. like, they've been having interest in playing flag footballs on the right. playground while I've been sitting on the swings, mm-hmm. you know? So probably I think, having more fun, I don't know, man. Maybe I've always just been a very like deep thinker. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I look back at some of those, <laughs> some of those younger years and yeah. I, I appreciated like my alone time and my isolation and my space of thought. And that makes, it makes a lot of sense based on like who I am now. And, and I like being around people for sure. I like I like really good conversation, but I'm like the last guy you're gonna see at Pave having drinks on a Friday night. Like that sounds like Mm -hmm. hell on earth. Oh man, yeah, to me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like so I don't know. Anyway, that's why I have a podcast. I can
1: hide in this room and get a microphone. I should be doing this. You should maybe. I mean, you got the gear, really.
0: (laughs) That's the that's the truth. I have like all of all of all of it, and it's not crap. It's no garbage. It's the real deal. No, yeah, I need to. I just need to. (sighs) Talk to some people. Well, Skype works. I, I Skype with Corey Horn. Yeah. Let's do it. I feel like being in person is a lot cooler, though. There's oh, something, uh, absolutely. Something that you, you can't get You get, get that. Yeah.
1: Okay, so this, this speaking of our culture, mm-hmm. uh, the texting phenomenon
0: we're in. Okay. People don't call anymore. <laughs> Man, this is such an old feeling podcast right
1: now. Well, <laughs> we don't talk on the phone.
0: Yeah. we talk in person. I, I mean, I you, do. you see
1: kids. Well, okay, you're an old soul. No, I mean, if we're honest, you are. I think there's a place for both, though. Oh, well, I think there
0: is too. And th- are... There's
1: times I need to say one thing, and yeah. I'll shoot it to someone, and it's good. I can move on. I, th- called, I don't need I called a five-minute conversation. Yeah, I
0: called you in my drive here, and you didn't answer, but then you texted me. You know why I didn't answer? Because you didn't want to talk on the phone.
1: Because it's a phone number I don't know, <laughs> and I get telemarketers.
0: Ninety-five
1: percent of the calls I get are telemarketers. So I would. If have, it's not a mailbank number, I hardly ever answer.
0: I would have offered you free healthcare if you would have answered. Or so.
1: no. <laughs> <Our> car <laughs> warranty, extend my warranty. It's horrible. And they're spoofing local cell phone numbers now. Yeah, I hate that. It's it, it should be illegal,
0: but there's no stopping. It's from India. It's a machine in India. You can't stop yeah. them. So what are you getting? What are you getting to here? So like I I actually <laughs> the whole texting thing. I don't think that that is just a kids only thing. I think no, it's not. No, there's I, so many business pros who are also inconvenienced by phone calls.
1: Correct, and I think that's the issue because the problem is I don't have time for you.
0: Yeah, but but also, you know i like people that i sometimes decline the phone calls of
1: but i i would rather that than than a uh, uh, hi move on yeah because it, it it's much rather and and i also don't understand people that cannot not answer the phone oh sure so we're in a conversation someone calls just a second you person in person yeah let's ruin we'll call, yeah. ruin the mm-hmm.
0: entire absolute vibe yep yeah, that, that's tough too. And so
1: that frustrates me, especially at a business level. If I'm talking to a business person yep. and they get interrupted and they have to go take a phone call, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. What's your priority? I think, and this isn't something I've done, but you know how like you can have custom messages that are sent? Like yeah. if you're getting a call, like you can decline mm-hmm. and, and send a text. Mm-hmm. I think people need to have like a very personal feeling. Like me, I would say, hey, can't answer right now. I'll call you right back. Yeah. Like I should have like a, a default text because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't have time the second or like I'm thinking and I, I, I like, I can't mm-hmm. have this be blown right now over yeah. whatever this is going yeah. to be.
1: <laughs> well, and what's wrong with just not answering?
0: Nothing. No, no. It feels, it feels a little, a little bad sometimes. That depending is who it cultural
1: is. though. or yeah.
0: Societal probably. Yeah.
1: Because wait, I mean, before you would let it ring, ring, ring. Oh, they're not there. No one got offended.
2: Totally. Nowadays
1: it's like, oh, well, he didn't answer my call. <sighs> what a jerk he doesn't like me yeah. that's not true well also, are busy my phone was in the other room I don't hold it in my hand every second
0: it's been a long time but I think there were times in college where I wanted to talk to some friends because I needed that human connection mm-hmm. and like when people aren't answering the phone that sucks but if it's like people who aren't in need of help like then I think it's understandable to not have your phone call answered right now does that make sense it does. But I think it's tough
1: to have. Well, I, I think it's tough to always be thinking that. Well, what if they are in need?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't. Like you have to. Mm-hmm. You have to know that person on a deep Correct. level to Absolutely. understand that. Yeah. And to me, I was probably not seen as that person for those people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's just.
1: I don't. It's just intriguing because like a conversation we can have in person yeah. is a totally different conversation than we'd have on the phone only because of you can see inflection you can see facial expression i mean your eyebrows emote a lot more than anyone realizes that's why when you get botox your face doesn't work no one wants to talk to you because they don't know what you're thinking
0: yeah i lost a lot of friends because of that <laughs> i wondered <laughs> yeah that's that was the demise of most of my friendships but see eugene levy's got a maid
1: yeah got caterpillars on his head it works out that's not very nice
0: oh did i uh I don't, I think I was trying to get to this point, but yesterday, (laughs) this is like, this is like a half hour ago, but I just, I just thought of this. Oh, you're So, so last night I, um, I put out this, this Instagram, I I do, I share a lot of songs on Instagram like this. I share like little 15 second bits, but last night I asked everyone, what's your favorite album? And I understand that that's like a really difficult question. Mm -hmm. Did anyone respond? I did get some, but out of like the, the people who have seen it, it's kind of like, I don't know if people don't listen to records, if they don't have an answer for that or what it is, but you know, out of, so to, to be honest about the numbers, you know, we're talking like 150 people have seen it and like four people have responded. Three people Hmm. have responded something like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, that's a hard question. And then I get some spammy stuff too. So what's your favorite album? Ooh. um, (laughs) There are a lot of songs that I like on a lot of records. Depending on the mood, I would say John Mayer's Continuum. Okay. Like it, as, as a whole? Yes. Yeah. Full records. Like, it has to be mm-hmm. something I'll listen to front to back. Mayer also has records that I don't listen to front to back because I just don't... I don't like them mm-hmm. that much. I'll skip through them. And that's not a good... Like, it, for me, it's not a record that suits me, right? Continuum is one of them. That's a record where I don't know if he at that point, that was a long time ago. I don't know if he was at a point of age where I'm at right now, but I feel a lot of those things and a lot of those perceptions. Um, Even in his records, he's always been older than me. Obviously there are a lot of his records and a lot of his thought patterns that have really been in alignment with me. And I know some people don't like Mayer, and they don't a guitar player. Yeah. But, (laughs) and I also, I also think he's like a really good, honest songwriter who, who speaks his reality. And that's cool. And for me to have like a little bit of alignment with um, parts of that, that's been sweet. Um, really, kind of a sad record is uh, Phoebe Bridgers. She's she's one of my favorite artists right now. I can't remember. I don't. Maybe it's a self titled record. Anyway, it's like one of the only albums she has out right now. Everything else has kind of been singles. Mm-hmm. She released that years ago, and it's still like really, really good to me. Really. Yeah, you got to be in a certain state to listen to it, but it's incredible music. And I think that she's kind of one of those indie artists that people just love. People mm-hmm. fell in love with her. Um. Yeah, I would say those two records, and then the new Lover record by Noah Gunderson, I'm not really like listening to that actively right now. I'm not I hope listening.
1: Not, you'd be multitasking.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying I. Uh, <laughs> Those are really impactful records to me, yeah. and there are there are a lot of records that I've done that with that I've listened to front to back several times. But I really like those ones. I'm looking for something new. I'm trying to find something that's a little bit more upbeat that I can get down with that has the depth that I want, but it also has like a little bit better like positivity to it. Are you uh, electronic, or do you like band driven? <clears throat> uh like a mix of both. I would say mm-hmm. I'm I'm more open to electronic elements right now. I have a couple artists that are more on the pop side that I really like. There's this guy's name's Phil Good, and he is like <laughs> Phil, like, like yeah, yeah <laughs> Phil. Um, and his That's music fantastic. his music is like so, so good, and he's not very popular or anything, but he's on the up, <clears throat> and he's kind of a goofball of a guy. He's been doing this thing before his live shows. He, uh, he has the crowd boo him as he's entering stage, and like he'll have his TM or whoever's with him. Probably not his TM. I don't think he—he's an artist who even has a budget to have an actual TM yet. But he'll have like someone side stage filming the entire crowd just booing him. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because because on his first tour that he did, he, is that what happened? When when he no 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 when he uh, when the tour wrapped, he he released a a video called Tour Recap, and it was literally every single city people booing him as soon as he entered. <laughs> <laughs> so like the point is like. He's a really really good writer, but he's also really goofy yeah and he's been fun to watch It's just a personality on his page hmm. who's that guy who I'm not very savvy about what the award shows are but he's he's a total goofball of an artist and has a has a song on pop radio right now I don't know what his name is i am sure people who would listen to this be like oh that's the, this guy who listens to pop radio a lot of people. <laughs> A lot of people, a goofball. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's some ginger guy, and he's he's a Ed Sheeran. No, it's not it's not Ed Sheeran. <laughs> but this guy is straight up goofball. Like they asked him about his success on a song, and it's like a really beautiful song. And he's like, "Well, it's all downhill from here." <laughs> like, I don't know who this is. I can't remember what his name is. Wow. It's a he's yeah he's he's popular. I don't know why. I don't know his name. But there's something I like about those guys, and there's something that's like, man, I don't know if. I don't know if that's gonna like catch on or be sustainable to be goofy, because mm-hmm. I think sometimes people like people like that artists are ordinary people, mm-hmm. but I also think that artists are sometimes better off being a bit mysterious. You know, like having that disconnect where you don't totally know about this artist's life, or you you there, you just can't break down the barrier between fan and friend. Like sometimes that that works a lot better to have an artist be uh, someone who you're a fan of rather than feeling like you're one with. It's mm. it's it's a so, it's so a weird thing. It's it's not it's not a very human thing. But there's something that's kind of sustainable about that so having we, a disconnect.
1: So we want like the the rock stadium the the celebrity mm-hmm. better than the the someone that I can DM.
0: Yes, I I think yeah, so. Interesting. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's So someone that's better than you? It's like it's better that almost? I don't know. It it, it that's an awful way to say it, I would say. <laughs> I wouldn't say it that Sorry. way. No, it's okay. It's it's but it's like a disconnect thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think people like people like that fame status thing. So I don't know if you know this, but I used to I used to be a tour manager for the band The Spill Canvas. And the Spill Canvas isn't like a huge band by any means, but they're they're consistently touring of a certain size of venue. From where? They were from Sioux Falls originally. Okay. And they're all kind of throughout the country now. But that really gave me a taste of that relationship of like the disconnect between like fans and friends and how sometimes like even though the Spill Canvas guys could be very just like friend level with people on a regular basis, there were still people who created that disconnect. So it was superficial on purpose. Yeah, it was weird. Like the people who see you know our tour bus outside the venue and mm-hmm. like god, oh my god oh my right. god like they're they're waiting for people to open the door there's like they're that type of person and there's the type of person who just knows us because they've like squashed that immediately and realize these are just people right and i like their music and
1: yeah so are those the people that you like hanging out with
0: or is are those the worst well i mean those are the only people you can hang out with because because no, the, the
1: adoring fan is not the one you want to hang out that's with. a
0: very strange interaction yeah, yeah.
1: So, well, unless you're the Eagles.
0: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that was that was interesting to see that. I don't know what people like. I don't know what's best. I know personally that I see artists as humans. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point where I don't really want to meet some of the people who I listen to because I don't think I'll like them
1: as a person. Totally. Yeah. So their music may not be them.
0: Yeah, when but it's also like there are a lot of circumstances that come with touring. I can say myself that I became very jaded with music. I think I, I, did not enjoy music for a while. Any? Uh no. I, I like there were. I still was consuming music. It was just a very different thing. I like stopped playing music. Stopped writing music. So you're
1: not very old. When did this happen?
0: What? Like, from, when were you a tour manager? I started with them. Um, well, I started with Nick Solo when I was uh, the senior go- my my summer going into my senior year of college. So I was probably like 21, which was really cool. That was that was a very cool thing to do at a young age, and I had no idea what I was doing at all. Um, I learned that over time, <laughs> but I'm managing you know artists who were 10 years older than me, who I respected. You know, they were they they were how did that conversation come about? To get that, yeah. Uh, that was a series of events where. I was um, on the campus activities board for Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> for Only for a year and a half, really. And at, After that, I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm ready for something better. Mm-hmm. Not that I was above it. I enjoyed it, but I just got to the point where I was booking bands. I was booking this band somewhat consistently. They were called Amos Slade, and they are incredible. One of the best bands that I've heard come out of Sioux Falls. And it's really now just a bunch of like my friends who played in it. But at that point I was such like a fan disconnect of Mm -hmm. that. Um, I loved listening to them and they happened to be 50% spill canvas, kind of when the spill canvas was partly broken up. So, you know, that was a band that I was able to book for like 600 bucks or something like that. But it was a dream of mine to book the spill canvas and much more expensive to get them just because of you know what their what their worth was and what would it cost to get people out there but basically booked the spill canvas a couple years go by and I'm in a green room and Nick the the singer is opening up for a show that I'm guitar teching and we just kind of talked I said hey man how's it been I hear like you're doing this new solo record thing how's it going like what's your band looking like and I ended up lining up m- my friend and drummer at the time, uh, Bryce, to play on a tour with Nick or just be like his new drummer for this solo project that was very just like acoustic guitar and percussion. And they lined up a tour. It was kind of a short little run that we did. And they wanted me to be the tour manager. So I did that. And it was just the three of us. And we went out to the East Coast and back. And then I had a couple more semesters of school. Then I graduated. And then I went right back into touring. And then it was more, it was all, it was full on canvas stuff by then. And, you know, the first tour we did, we were out on the road for like seven and a half weeks with not many off days. And that was pretty consistent for like four years. We were touring a lot and I was learning a lot. Making money? Yeah, making decent money. Not a lot, more than I ever had, but I was, I was getting worked, man. Mm-hmm. And I was also in a position where, uh, I didn't really fully know myself. I'm still like learning myself. So being able to manage humans who are older than me and have respect, that was hard.
1: So in that, do you feel like you got abused at some level?
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I I know, I know like I dealt with like a bunch of crap, but I also understand like where that comes from. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a, it's a reason why I got out of touring because I just kind of want to live in a very like controlled, positive world if I can. And I know that sounds like rainbows and butterflies. But if you have that life like me, I'm a freelancer and I work with people who I really like. Mm -hmm. And I still like those guys. I, you know, there's a part of me that wishes I was still doing some touring stuff. It was just, it just wasn't like what I wanted to do forever. And I learned a lot through it. But yeah, it was, it was kind of hard for a while, but I got better and better. And, you know, on one of my last tours, I felt, I felt good. I felt like I I had my own type of leadership style where I was never the jerk. I was never the guy who was an asshole to be one because people thought that a tour manager needed to be that way. I was the guy who came to an understanding with things. Mm -hmm. And if if I noticed that someone had an issue, sometimes you just have to squash it. Sometimes I didn't know how to handle someone and it was just like annoying. And sometimes you just have to be on a very like Emotional level and understand like this person's dealing with some stuff that I'm not going to understand, yeah. and being a jerk or pressuring them isn't going to like doesn't help. It's not going to help. Mm-hmm. Like it's just going to be better to be a real human and connect that way. And I, that was my role. And I realized okay, that's what I'm strong at. And yeah, but I don't. I didn't really want to do it anymore. So, so now I turn down tours every once in a while, not with them. If I get offered something yeah. else, uh, but. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Would you tour as a front of house guy,
0: um, or or is that a whole different world on a tour? No, that'd be great. <clears throat> you know, for for the Spill Canvas thing, it was touring as a tour manager and kind of a stage manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I probably should have been an audio, but then we would have had to hire another crew guy. No, oh. and we we dealt with like some audio nightmares, just some really bad front of house techs over the over the the years and over so like you venues. guys didn't tour with your own front of house. Right. I mixed it a few things yeah. just because like I you could you can tell pretty quick. If you get in a kind of a weird every once in a while we would get like these kind of strange small venues. Mm-hmm. Typically it'd be really pro venues, but every once in a while you'd get something where people don't quite know what they're doing there. Yeah. So there was an instance where I I just took over. <laughs> And I handed it off to, like, the one of the openers. Yeah. Like, the touring package openers, front of house guy. Like, I got the band dialed, but I was like, okay, you run faders because mm-hmm. I have to do my job during this, so. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I would do f- touring front of house. It would have to be for a band that I really liked. And what I'm getting to is, like, that was a band I liked. The Spill Canvas, I liked their music. It wasn't totally my type of music. Like, I didn't really listen to them much before I toured with them. Mm-hmm. I didn't know many of their songs, but I like the music. And I think it would take a band that I really like to be able to like bring me back out on the road and for me to shut down the work that I really like at home right now. So, I don't know. Hmm. Anyone working for John Mayer, <laughs> let me know. I'm just How can people get a hold of you Nate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Natepepple.com. Yes? Yeah, that's a good place. On In the Instagram I like Instagram, too. Like, if you just want to keep up on my life at all, yeah, that's a good spot. I, I post a lot. Of, you know, speaking of music, I have, like, 100 little 15-second sound clips of songs that I like. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I've really liked like doing that. It's for me. Mm-hmm. It places, like, emotions within time or songs that I like. But, yeah, I like sharing it with people, too, because they um, sometimes they like it, and they'll post about it. Or they'll tell me thank you. Most of the time, no one says anything. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's cool when you share something, and it's like, cool, yeah. that's a band that you probably would have never heard of before. Now you like it. Right. That's community within music, and that's another reason why it matters, huh? But yeah, uh, natepepple.com, that's a good hub. My P- my email. P-O-E-P-P-E-L. Yeah. yeah. Um.
1: The Instagram, natepepple, at.
0: <clears throat> yep. Yeah. The the typical at, <laughs> that's pretty much what I am on all platforms. My phone number and my emails on my website too. So, fantastic. Yeah, in case you in case you want <laughs> to be very direct,
2: right? <laughs>
1: or
0: in your address? No, I don't. I don't list that. It's a good idea because I'm a home studio kind of guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna find out, right? They'll find me. Um, you like to cook? I'm yeah kind of what do you ask it's curious i've been vegan for a couple of years
2: okay and
0: full-on like 100 percent. well i actually once i hit my two-year mark i i tried a couple of things just to see how i would react but yeah now i'm i'm kind of like full-on again what was the uh, impetus to do it
1: to be vegan yeah
0: i wanted to try it for health benefit hmm and A lot of it
1: is it a social platform or are you just doing it for you? Just for me. Okay.
0: I like it. Um I like the way I feel on it. And I also, you know, it wasn't it wasn't something that I understood immediately, but I understand like my the global benefit that I give because of that. But ultimately, like I just like the food. I like eating that way. I feel better than I used to. And I feel better about what I'm eating. And it's uh yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm like a big cook or anything like that. I've I've never taken the time to get good at it. You know, I don't dive into that. Like, no, I have, like I do, do you? Have,
1: would you rather make your own food or go
0: get some? Oh, I mean, I'd rather go to Sanaz and at, or in Sioux Falls any day. Where the Mediterranean food? It's oh. called Sanaz. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, next time you're in Sioux Falls, we're going. All right. I would go there any day <laughs> over making food really? <laughs> because it's like it is nice. like right. yeah, it's like the best food ever. Um, that's tough. Because mm-hmm. I live in a place where there aren't a load of options. Yeah. So I would always rather go out and have someone make me food that they've crafted because that's their skill,
2: mm.
0: you know, it's like, is it hard to do what? Be vegan. To, to go
1: out, no, to go out and get, well, to, to get quality food in a society that is um, not. Yeah. Sometime,
0: sometimes you just kind of learn like what reality is. Mm-hmm. And also like some food is so easy. that's plant-based. There it you just have to like do it for so long to understand what it's like. But I mean like you could go to the produce section and everything's vegan. So strangely, you're
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well it depends. Depends on if you believe those things are
0: alive or not. Oh yeah. That's a <sighs> that's a whole nother that's a strange debate. Exactly, I think really they're I yeah. think they're alive for sure. But well I think- yeah,
1: but they're not screaming as you eat them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no that's funny excellent
1: um Nate Peppel I, thanks man thanks a lot for coming in it's cool I appreciate it and thanks Absolutely. for showing me your
0: playhouse yeah <laughs> I'm calling it that I don't know
1: okay. if you've ever called it that not I will now <laughs> okay cool um this is the Why Music Podcast and we have touched on all kinds of things really around music it, it really centered around what that looks like yeah not
0: direct and the, but and the
1: engineering of it all yeah it's been fun so it's audio audio thanks for having me absolutely you're also a bike rider a cyclist are we gonna keep keep going well no i I, I was gonna talk but i didn't mention that and i forgot
0: (laughs) is is this a new thing or just a a hobby it it was it came from no longer having the means to keep a dirt bike around and like have a track outside my house Mm -hmm. and i just kind of fell in love with it and for a while i was a hardcore for sure I'm I'm less hardcore now, but you want to get a
1: spandex and everything.
0: I do. I have all that yeah. stuff. I don't wear it all the time. I kind of I kind of like being like I'm very influenced by New York City bike messenger type riders, people who can like ride traffic. Well, mm-hmm. that sounds crazy, but like that's fun to me. Dangerous here in South Dakota. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So basically, where I'm at now is I'm just going to pair it with travel, and I'm going to do bike touring stuff. Ooh, Amsterdam. Year. Go do it. That'd be cool too but i'm i'm going to like ride you know in places across the state or really? across minnesota yeah and i have a couple panniers behind me so i have all my food and clothing and camping things so just being like self-sustainable that's cool with just a bicycle mm-hmm. it's fun i think do you,
1: that and record it that would be a blast yeah i think i'm going to bring a fun podcast i'll bring
0: a i'll bring a camera and I'll oh, record yeah. some thoughts and totally. document it maybe not as well as some people <laughs> who are out there doing that i want to enjoy it more than just mm-hmm. like create a YouTube channel around it and feel like a slave to my camera the whole time.
1: That's true. Because yeah. Because if you're always having to film the moment, it's hard to enjoy the moment.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be important to have a barrier to that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, if you do, put Milbank on your on your route. <laughs> okay. That'd be fun. I might make this my end point. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. I appreciate it. NatePebble.com if you're interested in finding out more uh, or if you want his services. As the uh, the podcast producer of Sioux Falls, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks a lot.